Welcome to Startup ROI, where we explore global technology trends and how they manifest themselves in France. Whether you're an entrepreneur, investor, or tech enthusiast, I'm glad to have you here. If you are a startup interested in being featured or a VC interested in collaborating, please reach out directly. My email is bonjour at startup-roi.com. All right, let's get on with the show. Today's article is titled Interstellar Ambitions. How France's startup scene is pushing us towards the final frontier. The Failed Physicist As a child, I, like many of my peers, had the vague notion that I was interested in space. At the time, this really only came up when a teacher or other adult in my orbit would ask what I wanted to be when I grew up. Astronaut sounded like a pretty solid answer, albeit a long shot. This idea of interstellar travel only started to materialize when I turned 13 years old and borrowed Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time from the school library. It addressed questions I previously imagined unanswerable and simultaneously opened up a whole new set of unknowns I was eager to understand. I wouldn't consider myself gifted in math, but I worked hard and comfortably moved through the advanced placement program in high school, wrapping up with BC Calculus as a senior. I had a mediocre physics teacher, but excelled simply because of my interest in the subject. At university, I front-loaded the stale requirements so I could get to the good stuff, juicy electives like Einstein's space-time and quantum theory, where I could start to explore the deeper, fundamental questions that had been brewing since my youth. I managed to pass multivariable calculus, but hit a wall in advanced classical Newtonian mechanics, where numbers became letters and the ponytail twins, this is not a joke, were the teacher's pets. I gripped my teeth until I received the score on my first exam, an F. Not only was this a blow to my physics career, but my ego. I had never failed at anything before. I regrouped and decided I could find middle ground with physics and philosophy track, heavier on the theory than the math. I pursued it until I had not the equivalent of a minor in the subject, but ended up majoring in economics. Despite dashed dreams of commanding the next moon landing, I'm still passionate, bordering on obsessive, about space exploration. Just a decade ago, you might have argued I was born in the wrong decade. The zenith of space travel had passed us by. But that's changing, in large part due to the incredible advances in technology and the adventurous spirit of tech companies like SpaceX. To the layperson, space might feel like the plaything of the billionaire boys club, but in truth, it's far from it. Outer space provides myriad opportunities, not just for exploration, but science, industry, research, climate, discovery, travel, and communications. It's completely justified to roll your eyes at the intergalactic dick-measuring contest of the past several years, but there are true merits to the nascent industry that have transformational power to deliver significant improvements to the quality of life here on Earth. Apollo 11 got us to the moon and back on 72 kilobytes of memory. For perspective, a 4-gigabyte iPhone has 7 million times more memory than the guidance computer on that spacecraft. Let that sink in. Now imagine the possibilities. Aerospace Valley. What comes to mind when you think of a rocket launch? Houston, Texas? Cape Canaveral, Florida? Star City, Russia? Frankly, there are very few flagship locations, mostly solidified in memory from the early days of the space race. What you might not have known is that France is home to one of the most robust aerospace hubs in the world. The city of Toulouse is located in the southwest of France, not far from the Spanish border, in a region called Midi-Pyrénées. Zoom out a bit further and you reach Bordeaux, 
known better for its wine than wormholes, in the Aquitaine region. Thanks to a number of grandes écoles, research parks, and the former Airbus HQ, the lesser-known French territory has become a hotbed for innovation, aptly named Aerospace Valley. Here's a summary from Wikipedia. Quote, the over 500 affiliated companies, including Airbus, Air France Industries, and Dassault Aviation, are responsible for some 120,000 jobs in the aviation and spaceflight industries. In addition, some 8,500 researchers are active within the affiliated companies and institutions. The cluster's stated aim is to create 40 to 45,000 new jobs by 2026. Since its inception in 2005, the cluster has initiated some 220 research projects with a total budget of 460 million euro, including 204 million euro in government funding. End quote. And it's not just a cluster of OEMs, also known as original equipment manufacturers, making parts for the world's dominant spacefaring nations. France has the fourth largest national budget for space, behind the U.S., Russia, and China. Likely a bit higher up in the rankings than you imagined. Now, before we take off to explore some notable new French tech companies, I wanted to touch on another valley of sorts, the Death Valley. You see, when I speak with people about innovation and space exploration, they tend to be underwhelmed by projects executed today, mainly because they resemble achievements from half a century ago. In some regards, it's true. We went to the moon in 1969, so what's the big deal if a private company sends astronauts to the International Space Station? If we could do it then, what's stopping us from doing it now? But it's important to look past the headlines and take a look at the underlying factors to grasp the scope of what's to come. Here's a close-up on how things have changed. With regard to manpower and data, in the era of the space race, it took 400,000 engineers for a decade for the moon landing to work out. Today, there are less than 10,000 engineers for multi-purpose missions like satellites, payloads, ISS transport, moon and Mars missions at SpaceX, a private company. How about for motivating factors? Well, back in the space race, it was the Cold War, and that kind of faded away. Today... The biggest driver is climate change. And cost, how's that changed over time? Well, during the space race, at its peak, the cost for uh, space travel and uh, research budget was about 4% of the entire U.S. annual budget. And that's partly due to the fact that we basically dumped single-use rockets into the ocean after flying them up to space. Today, we've got reusable rockets, and they're financed privately, which is pretty incredible if you think about it. Advancements in computing and new geopolitical motivations and substantially decreased costs have effectively reduced friction on progress, catapulting us out of the valley of death. Industry in the unknown. Besides our never-ending quest for knowledge and compulsion to explore, what practical business models can be supported or invented through easy access to outer space? It turns out there's a ton. The chart below illustrates the vast swath of categories from navigation, communication and manufacturing, to security, travel, and something called space medicine. Though imperfect, the curve represents three distinct phases that I'll name accordingly. The first is the establishment era. It's in the near term, and the density of categories on the left-hand side of this chart are solving problems around access to space, basic communications, and setting up a foundation for robust, safe, and consistent work in outer space. The next phase is the industrialization era. We'll call it the middle of the long tail, where we start to begin exporting industrial processes from here on Earth to outer space. 
It's an immediate concern for climate change. And solidify space Earth supply chain, eventually inventing new processes that could only be performed outside of Earth's atmosphere. And the final era is the exploration era. Once we've achieved parity with old world functions, like communication, manufacturing distribution, transport, supply chain, etc., we turn our focus to exploring. This constitutes physical exploration, the solar system, our galaxy, and beyond, as well as pushing the boundaries of scientific research. The establishment era logically comes first, but the second two are not necessarily sequential and could evolve in parallel. Today, I'm going to talk about four French tech startups I'd like to spotlight that are spread almost uniformly across this spectrum. Those four are Loft Orbital, ThrustMe, Interstellar Labs, and the Exploration Company. The establishment era will be characterized by getting things into space. Of course, we already do this, but it can be painful and complex. If you want to get your payload to space today, you need to book space on, book space on a launch bus and ensure design specifications are aligned with the module. It can take years. It's kind of like the mainframe days of computing. Before you could just flip on another server with AWS, you had to buy the hardware, install it, and configure it yourself. Loft Orbital plans to be the infrastructure as a service company for space. Essentially, they buy inventory on satellite buses going to space in bulk and have built hardware and software to easily aggregate multiple customer payloads seamlessly. They operate the orbital missions too, providing neatly packaged data to the end customer. Their streamlined processes bring down the time to orbit to months. They just raised $140 million round, led by BlackRock. Once you're in space, you might want to maneuver the craft or satellite for optimal positioning. Despite its somewhat suggestive name, ThrustMe builds mini-thrusters designed to help you move satellites or constellations to position in space. Their ion engine allows for unprecedented performance. As we transition from the establishment to the industrialization era, the focus will shift from getting things into space to figuring out how to industrialize space at scale. For there to be progress on the industrial front, it will be necessary to have humans spending longer periods of time in space with sustainable life support systems. This is where Interstellar Labs comes into play. They build next-generation space-grade greenhouses to grow plants efficiently. The biopods look something like straight out of a movie. Combining 3D-printed materials and an inflatable membrane with high-pressure aeroponics and integrated water treatment system, all regulated with AI to automate crop selection and scheduling and to run predictive simulations. Let's just say that Matt Damon's character in The Martian would kill for this thing. Honestly, on the web version, take a look at the video. It is pretty mind-blowing. When you think of space exploration, you probably conjure up an image of Elon Musk proclaiming he'll put humans on Mars within the decade. But there are varying degrees of space exploration. The exploration company, for example, wants to democratize space travel by facilitating small-scale missions for space and non-space clients alike. They've built Nix, a modular, reusable, and refuelable orbital vehicle designed for cargo, and one day, humans. Today, if you want to run experiments or collect data in the zero-G environment, it's costly and time-consuming. With Nix, you can obtain that high-quality microgravity environment for 20% of the cost of the ISS. Fittingly, their first mission is titled Champagne, you gotta love the French, which will be a three to six month uh, visit to Earth's orbit. But they plan to go to the moon in 2028 with the ability to deliver payloads to the lunar poles and equator. Funnily enough, I saw their CEO, Hélène Ubi, speak at Station F recently, and I've added a little tweet from that moment uh, a couple of months ago here in the web version. 
The research vacuum. There's still so much we don't know about space, and perhaps more importantly, about ourselves. Research in outer space accelerates scientific discovery, leading to better outcomes for us here on Earth. Beyond that, it inspires the next generation to study STEM and contribute to the next wave of scientific progress. There are both practical and aspirational aspects to our future in space exploration. And for the space haters out there, I'm confident that advancements in space and preservation on Earth are not mutually exclusive. We can do both, and they may even be complementary. It's widely noted that the big blue marble picture from Apollo 17, published in 1972, catalyzed decades of climate activism and environmental policy. It effectively provided, at scale, what is commonly known as the overview effect, the overwhelming gratitude for and desire to protect the Earth when seen from above by astronauts. Imagine the collective motivation if all of us had an opportunity to truly witness our home planet from above. The current space tech sector is poised to produce a catalyst of this type and unleash an era of exploration, prosperity, and preservation unlike we've ever seen. That's it for this week's Startup ROI. Thanks for listening, and uh, I look forward to finding you here soon. My name is Kyle O'Brien. I write this newsletter weekly covering global tech trends in the French tech ecosystem. Uh, Feel free to send me an email, bonjour at Startup ROI. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on all the social channels, uh, LinkedIn, whatever uh, floats your boat. And I hope to hear from you soon. Uh, Send me some ideas, send me some feedback. And uh, go ahead and subscribe on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts if you want to hear this each week. All right. Take care.